The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Hey man, you need a cab? Well, what's wrong with this one? <laughs> he ain't got five kids to feed. Where's yours? Right over there, man. Hey, hey man, that's my fare. Hey asshole, that's my fare. Eat this, damn you. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, February 23rd, 2017. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. Need a cab? Who are you going to call? Your local cab company or one of the many ride-sharing companies, mostly known under the name of Uber, which is just one of those many ride-sharing companies. Last week's London, Ontario City Council decision to abandon its plans to force cameras and vehicles for hire was seen as a victory by Uber supporters. But if anyone thinks for a minute that this conflict and so many others like it will simply disappear without eternal vigilance and without eternally keeping up the resistance against cronyism and monopolies, well, you've got a lot more thinking to do to follow the bouncing ball of crony politics. There is, I think, a universal lesson to be learned from the so-called Uber debate within the legislatures and city councils here in Ontario where I reside, and that is a lesson in how The forces of crony politics, monopolistic thinking, state control of the marketplace, and a whole host of other anti-freedom, anti-capitalism forces actually apply their leftist and very wrong philosophies, actually using pragmatism, uh, pragmatism that they apply through their political policies. That's basically how they view theory in practice. So Uber may be the primary object of our discussion today, But our real subject is the politics behind the conflict. Today I'll be offering you a test tube demonstration of how that politics unfolds from the front row center seat that I've had on this issue since, well, at least the 1980s when I first became actively involved in trying to bust the taxi monopoly and actually put drivers back in the driver's seat of the industry. But before our demonstration gets underway, don't forget that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, subscribe to Just Right on iTunes, hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave, visit us at www.justrightmedia.org, where you can access all of Just Right's social media links, including Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, all of the Just Right Past broadcasts. Now, as longtime listeners to Just Right already know, we have been out-and-out supporters of the Uber service and the Uber concept since the issue first broke into the general public's consciousness. I just went through a quick check of Just Right's archive, and I noticed that the last time we discussed Uber on the show was during a flurry of broadcasts in the period between September and October of 2015. Shows number 416, 419, 420, and 23, a period during which... London City Hall was looking at passing some significant bylaws in an attempt to regulate Uber. Given the Uber events of the past week, today we're going to play catch-up and pretty much devote the entire show to this theme and a few very closely related themes. 
In order to do that, I have selected a couple of rather longer than usual audio bites featuring both myself and London Taxi Association representative Roger Carancy in conversation and debate on other radio forums and talk shows in my area. So without much further ado, let us begin by actually taking our first break a little early and listening into these conversations. When we return from our audio bite, I'll have a few more of my own observations to add before the fun really gets going. Both of the conversations that you are about to hear were originally broadcast live last week on Wednesday, February 15th on CKTB AM 610 St. Catharines and on CJBK AM 1290 in London. On this side of the bumper, we'll hear talk show host Tom McConnell in conversation with the London Taxi Association's representative and spokesman, Roger Carancy. On the other side of the bumper, you'll be hearing Tom in conversation with me, yours truly. The conversations took place on the day after London City Council voted 7-6 to to drop its proposed bylaw requiring vehicles for hire, meaning, of course, mostly vehicles driven by Uber drivers, and to have cameras installed in those vehicles. And, of course, the taxi industry was deeply upset about the decision and perhaps a bit surprised given that they might have been expecting a win with the close vote. Although Roger and I did not publicly go head-to-head over the Uber over the Uber issue on this occasion. We certainly did on past occasions, which you'll be hearing in their entirety as our show progresses today. In fact, i got to tell you, upon re-listening to some of those earlier recordings in preparation for the show today, I was a bit, you know, taken aback by how intense, shall we say, the conversation actually got. If nothing else, it sure is entertaining. So to kick it off and bring us up to date on where things stand now, let's listen in to Roger Carancy's take on the whole Uber issue as relayed in conversation with Tom O'Connell last week. Roger Carancy, you are a spokesperson for one of the taxi companies, is that right? No, the London Taxi Association. London Taxi Association, that's right. I get it wrong. I'm so sorry, Roger. I apologize. All right, so obviously disappointed in last night's vote. Uh, Were you surprised? Although um, I'm reading the article by Patrick Maloney, and he said one of the councillors flip-flopped on the matter. So He did, did, Tom, and uh, that is, you know, I've always been one. I served my 10 years on council. It's always best to be open and frank with people, and... uh, Councillor Van Holst, I sat with him on another issue a week or so ago, and he told me straight out he felt so much pressure on this. He was worried about what Uber would do, and he didn't like being uh, having to make decisions such as this. And, uh, you know, I, I'll put it right out there. He was scared to make it to, to side against them, and uh, he decided to flip-flop on it. So that is very troubling to me, somebody who's duly elected such as he was to represent his constituents in, in his ward. Uh, and somebody who uh, who decided one way uh, did not stick to his principles just because uh, he was scared of what a company could do to him. And that is uh, what Uber's intent was when they threatened the city with pulling services. Uh, Uber has been an outlawed company, and all of a sudden we're supposed to be, feel sorry for them for coming into a marketplace and disregarding the rules for 18 months. That's troubling to me. All right, so what is next then? Um, was there not uh, a proposal, maybe not a proposal, but uh, was there not some uh, talk last week that if Uber stays, cabbies are going? I, I, I'm like, is that going to happen? 
No, there there was Tom. There was a that, that the announcement was made, but we quickly walked that back because of the fact that was not the right thing to do. You've noticed what's happened in other centers that have had uh, strikes, uh, taxi strikes. You only end up hurting the people that you service. And uh, we, uh, I, I got the group together and said this is going to be very difficult for uh, for the industry if we go forward with this. And they saw through it better. They were, I, I think, very frustrated with with Uber's approach to threaten the city, and they thought maybe we had to do something, but. Uh, uh, we did not uh, do that. We will not do that. All right. So if this is not required of Uber, should um, is there a way to, in your opinion, level the playing field? Should cameras be taken out of cabs? Although a proposal last night, uh, only those who hail rides from the street, not a prearranged pickup, uh, would require it. What do you think would really, um, if this is not going forward, what would re-level the playing field then? I want to start out first by saying it's a totally false argument on Uber's behalf that they are safe because they know who the people who get in their cars are. Uh, our bylaw enforcement people who have charged numerous Uber drivers have taken rides by using false names, false email addresses, no pictures uh, presented to uh, the Uber drivers, and credit cards that did not belong to those individuals. So there it goes. That debunks Uber's uh, uh, thoughts that their app is safe than any, safer than anything else. Uh, the issue of uh, you, you'll only have violence in, in taxis because they carry cash. Well, that is not true because we've had a lot more violence because people are either drunk or stoned on drugs, and uh, they would cause problems uh, when they get into a car. So, you know, there's Uber drivers. Don't tell me they don't have cash or something that somebody may want. Uh, the cameras have proven to be, uh, even though we did not want them when they were installed in uh, 2009, we were against that. The drivers were against that, but they saw it very quickly. Uh, the, the positive effects it has on, on making sure that clients and customers stay in line and know that they're being filmed every second. And if they had some intention to do something, they think differently and they won't. So we've seen the benefits. We know the benefits, and that's why we thought this the consumer safety is the number one concern, and that's the way we went. Are you going to keep – I mean, someone brought up the point last week. If you cared about the customers, you will keep the cameras in all the cars, and there's maybe a, the way to differentiate yourself with uh, other competitive services like an Uber. Listen, we even have cameras in our cars, and that would show the customers that, to you, safety is important. That, that is an angle, Tom. Uh, it's a very good angle. Again, our concern was for the customers of all uh, vehicles for hire. Uh, we there's a, a, a very well documented case that happened in December uh, just outside the city of London where an Uber was dispatched from London where the driver uh, sexually assaulted and confined the person to the vehicle. Uh, you know that has happened in Toronto. I can tell you again since cameras have been put in cars that uh, in taxis that has cut down on many many incidents and it's hard to, to measure something that hasn't occurred. We just know that we've gotten a lot less violent incidents today than before. So yes, it's a, a, a good thing. I know that the, the uh, demographic for Ubers are people who are younger. Uh, if we're to play to their, uh, you know, to to their parents and say, you know, do you trust your son or daughter getting into a vehicle that does not have a camera? Uh, think, things are going to happen, and, and it's unfortunate. And uh, you know, counselors are going to have to answer to people and say, well, why you had the opportunity to do this? And and we we don't know, Tom. And this is a question that we never saw asked. And yes, we understand it's a legal issue, but. If you take something of that, that provides safety, a safety feature in a vehicle, and you then take that out or you don't allow it into a car that, in essence, essentially they do the exact same thing we do, 
uh, you don't provide that extra safety feature, is the city open now up to a major liability if something does occur? And I wouldn't want to know the answer to that in the, in the positive, because if that is, uh, then the city's going to be paying out uh, possibly millions of dollars to settle some claim that may come along in the future. Has any one of your uh, companies that you represent, um, do they have or do they have the ability to offer what Uber has in that I can get a ride, I can pay with an app, I um, know the exact amount it's going to be. One of the things that people like about it is the cost certainty and the ability for a non-cash secure transaction to happen between me and the driver. Is that possible now with taxis in London? Tom, London has always been, we believe, to be an innovative leader in this country. Um, we have had a company, one particular company, that has had an app for over four years, or approximately four years, that does uh, veritably the same thing that Uber's app does. Um, and, and people seem to have forgotten that. Now, where we have fallen down on that is advertising that, and that is something that I've mentioned many times to the various companies that we have to do a better job of letting people know that that is there. But there are two companies in London that operate with that right now. I know that there are other companies looking at bringing on their own apps. Uh, they don't want to be holding to a company such as Uber. Uh, you, you hear, uh, you know, chapter and verse and, uh, and on many publications of the problems that they do have amongst the drivers and the, and the company, and, they don't want to be a part of that. So, no, we've operated under the rules that are in place with an app for about four years. So we've done it. What's next in this fight? What what, what, what do you go back and tell, um, you know, the Taxi Association, what, what are you going to do next? Obviously, Uber has won this round. What's the response? Well, we, we're going to, um, I guess, regroup, uh, sit down and talk and discuss what our options are. We have some options that we know that we can pursue. Uh, and we may likely do that, but uh, until we have that decided, until we've had a fulsome discussion on that, I can't uh, divulge that right now, but uh, uh, we will let you know uh, when the time comes. Roger, I appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us today. Tom, anytime. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. in london how are you i'm how are you i'm great i'm great well uber uh uber said no cameras city council agreed with them and now it looks like uber's there to stay your thoughts on the matter well i listened to your interview with roger Carancy. i last spoke to roger on the air about this maybe about a year and a half ago and I have to tell you the conversation hasn't moved one inch forward He's an advocate for the Taxi Association. Absolutely, and he's looking for a monopoly, which shouldn't be tolerable in our society. The cab companies have been running on crony politics ever since they were established. And I can speak from personal experience when through Freedom Party and the London Middlesex Taxpayers Coalition and Steve Orser and Barry Wells, we got together to fight that taxi monopoly back in the 1980s, and there was no way to do it. You know... Taxi drivers have to pay extortion fees to people who hold licenses, private people. My dentist had one of these licenses. A medallion. Yeah, and he got 700 and something bucks a month for holding that thing. I'm thinking, well, where are we living in serfdom and slavery? That somebody has to ask permission and pay that amount of money a month? And, and yet, the cabbies want to keep themselves in this condition because they think they're getting ahead of the game by, 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 you know, restricting themselves to the point where they can't act as long as they're protected from competition. And this idea 
that Roger Carancy says, well, consumer safety is our number one concern. That's, ah! that's pure BS, and you know what? competitor in their right mind would want their competition to bring their standards up so they can compete better with them? What he should be doing is advertising. If cabs are so much better, tell people and explain the difference. But they're not doing that, are they? The other thing is, the cab companies, they always point out, look at this Uber driver who's charged with this. How many cab drivers have been charged with heinous and awful things over the years? And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I mean, just because an Uber driver gets charged, which is not great, cab drivers have been charged with everything against their customers course, over the years. and I've driven cabs, or driven in cabs, that are totally so not roadworthy. It's one of the main reasons I don't get in them. Bob, have a great day. You take care. The particular experience that was in my mind when I made that last comment to Tom, Tom McConnell, occurred during a brief period of a few weeks when I was in between cars, shall, shall we say, and found myself relying on alternate transportation to get around. Now, I can't recall the particular cab company in question, but a London cab was dispatched to pick me up from the offices of the Freedom Party of Ontario in London and to drive me to the Crossroads television station in Burlington, Ontario, about one and a half hours away from where we started in London. The cab fare was being paid for by the TV station itself, CTS. The driver of the cab sent to pick me up was very friendly and fun to have a discussion with, etc., and I had no issues there. But my goodness, there were a few moments when I wasn't too sure we'd be making it to Burlington. The car rattled and shook when approaching highway speeds. Maybe it wasn't used to being taken out of the city. And I could see the, the road beneath us through a little hole in the floor. Uh, you know, a hole just like the one that, that Roger Carancy keeps referring to when he's talking about how Uber drivers drive around with cars like that. Now, to be fair, I have taken cabs in the past with the, that were in great condition. But I'm just saying, right, that every industry and competitor has its problems and its successes. Now, more than just a rejection of forced cameras in four higher vehicles, I think the latest turnabout of city council in London is less about the cameras than about changing public opinions and moods on the topic of Uber including opinions on city council itself. I'd like to think that I had a role in that, but this is not something you can measure with, you know, objective accuracy. In terms of its own growing turnabout on Uber, the public has had some time now over the past couple of years to weigh in on the relative merits of each side. And the right side is actually making headway for a change, and I'm pleased to say for the right reasons. Now, the good news is that most people now seem to understand that Uber the whole debate is about cronyism and monopoly, even though they don't often use those exact words in recognizing the concepts. And that's the proper reason to be opposed to what the cab monopoly has been saying. Now here are some of the outstanding, or shall we say unaddressed, arguments and considerations that were brought up in the comments of Roger Carancy before the, the bumper we just heard. First he brings up the flip-flop fear factor referring to a counselor's fear of what Uber might do. Okay, so he flip-flopped on the issue. He was worried about what to do, and he did not stick to his principles because he was scared of what Uber would do to him when they threatened to pull Uber services out of the city. That's sort of how Roger Carancy was trying to frame it. But Uber's approach to threatening the city, as put by Carancy, 
was a threat that involved Uber withdrawing its service, and it was no different than what the taxi industry itself was doing only days earlier. I don't know if most of you are aware, but members of the cab industry in London had promised to shut down their service entirely if they didn't get their way at City Hall. And citing a public need and public pleas for them not to do so, they didn't follow through on the threat. Now, of course, that was utter suicidal. <laughs> We're going to go out of business to prove, prove our point. But the municipal vote was 7-6 to six against the proposed camera requirement in Uber vehicles. One of the councillors was attacked on flip-flopping because he expressed fears about Uber's reactions that the cameras be imposed on people. Now, Carancy attempted to twist the meaning of scared regarding that whole issue on the councillor who changed his vote into something that would imply the use of violence or physical force or intimidation. And I thought that was getting pretty desperate and kind of pathetic, kind of as below the belt as you can get, don't you think? Now, if I was a municipal councillor, and if I voted against Uber, I too would be, quote, very afraid of the consequences, and they would be political consequences, of not getting elected the next time around. And if that's the kind of fear that is motivating the politicians, I would have to imagine that the average voter might be pleased to hear that, don't you think? <laughs> what, you mean politicians actually care about my vote? Well, that would be something new, wouldn't it? The argument that Uber cabs are not safe. Quote, totally false that Uber is safe based on knowing who gets into their vehicles and no pictures and fakes allowed, says, says Carancy. And he talks about violence and taxis because of cash uh, being there is not true. It's people who get drunk or stoned on drugs who create the violence in the cars. So he says cameras make sure that clients and customers stay in line so consumer safety is where we went. All vehicles for hire. Well, I don't know if that makes any sense to you. The fact is that cameras were originally put into the cabs for the protection of the drivers, not of the customers. And this pretty well attests to that, to that reason. And yet, Carancy keeps saying it's to protect the very people who apparently get drunk or stoned on violence when they get into a car. So, so really, it's not about protecting them. It's about trying to prevent them from committing acts of violence. And, of course, there are the issues about applications, uh, apps, communication and apps. And Rogers says, there are two companies that operate their own apps right now. Wow, I bet you everybody hearing that went whoopee-doo. Apps that will lead you to a monopoly-priced and limited field of choice, so go for it. <laughs> oh, man, this is just... Then, there, then there's the, this insisting on obeying, quote, the rules that are in place, end quote. In place. Aren't they busy changing the rules? So obviously that's not even on the table. From my point of view, the rules that are in place need to be changed. And just as definitions cannot be arbitrary, neither can objective rules. You can't just make up rules to benefit some people at the expense of others without their consent. Not if we want to live in a democracy. Not if we want to benefit from freedom and from capitalism and prosper from all those principles that set Western culture aside from all the other cultures in the world. So I don't want to see you know, rules or insisting on the rules that are in place. Let's put into place different rules. Roger Carancy has been pretty well using pragmatism as his major 
philosophy of arguing this issue on behalf of the cab industry. And he may have perhaps won many battles for the Taxi Association, but it's becoming clear that against the principles involved in this issue, he's beginning to lose the greater war. And of course, he has said uh, that they're planning to regroup with the taxi industry now that they've lost this particular skirmish. Maybe they'll try something other than safety, but don't count on it. I did comment that the conversation had not moved one inch forward on Carancy's part, and I, I guess that wasn't even fu- enough to say. I should have said there's actually no conversation allowed. It's just demands. After all, you're dealing with someone who's a paid lobbyist. He's looking for a monopoly. The whole system runs on crony politics, which, forgive me for saying it this way, but it's extortion fees paid to medallion holders, the, the, the guys that get the free money, limiting the competition. And this whole idea of consumer safety argument, that's just a bunch of BS. Here's another broad comment I have to make, too. The cab industry is dying of its own accord, not because of Uber. With or without the $1,000-plus camera expenses enforced upon their competition. Cab companies in London, if you've been watching the papers locally, are, are going broke. Two of them have actually left town. A couple others went bankrupt. And those were reported on in the London Free Press. So, coming up next are two confrontations I had on live radio with Roger Carancy, head-to-head. The first, which we'll hear on this side of the bumper, took place 18 months ago on August 31st, 2015. The second, which we'll hear on the other side of the bumper, took place 10 months ago on April 7th, 2016. Both were broadcast live on CJBK AM 1290 in London on the Andy Utman show called The Live Drive. And in both debates, Carancy continually tries to avoid answering my very simple questions because he knows very well that the truthful answers to those questions would expose his real objective, hidden behind his magic safety shield. And that is why, quote, the conversation hasn't moved an inch, and why it isn't even a conversation. I guess you could describe this as a confrontation, and it's the best word that I could find to describe a so-called debate in which one of the debaters is arguing for special interests against the general interest. Uh, Bob Metz, go ahead, Bob. Oh, hello, gentlemen. Um, Roger, I heard you say that bylaws are there to protect the industry. What are they there to protect the industry from? No, they're, they're oh, no, uh, you heard wrong. The bylaws are there to protect the individuals who take rides in the cars. The vast majority of the bylaws that are there are to protect the person using. You know transportation, whether it be airplanes, protect whether them it be from buses, what? protect them from any injury or loss. Well, why is that the city's business? Since when is it the city's business to take upon itself? I know where you're coming from as a Freedom Party advocate, and I understand that. But these things protect people. I think the majority of people in London want to be protected when they're riding in a car, being transported from one place to another. Then they would choose the protected option. But but hang on a second, Bob. Look, I'm not arguing about whether a person has... Here's what I want to know. Is there or is there not a limit on the number of taxi licenses that can be issued in the city at one time? Yes, there is. Then that's the whole problem. Nothing else matters. Everything else is a distraction. That's wrong. That's, that's immoral. Do you know why that is there, Bob? Do you know why that is there, Bob? 
Yeah, to protect the industry from competition. Not no, it's no because there is competition within the industry. Yeah, within uh, the within, co- the, within the regulated companies. monopoly. Come on, Roger, that's that's nonsense. Any individual has a right under the Constitution of Canada. So if you want to start obeying laws, obey the highest law of the land. Not now, the there are laws four in companies in Canada. There are four companies in London. Two years or about five, six years ago, maybe longer than that, there were only two. So if you're saying that it's protecting a, mon- a monopoly, I think you're wrong. There are four companies now where there were only two before. Not, no, no, the no, opportunity, look. yes, Bob. The opportunity is there to open up. The bylaws, rules, and not regulations. If, not are if the quota has been filled. There's no it's, opportunity there if the quota has been filled. There is. But drivers no, you said there was a limited number of cabs allowed in the city. And uh, Bob, the reason why is those cabs, the, the licenses are capped, is because there has to be a certain amount of money that you, you can get in order to keep your cab up to date in order to make your cab safe. Again, these are all put in place for the protection of the ultimate... Uh, okay, okay, hang on. Hey, let me jump in, let me jump in. Okay, we've got about uh, one and a half minutes left. Uh, half to Bob, half to Roger Corrente. Bob, uh, 30 seconds, your position on uh, Uber. Well, I think the whole fundamental issue here is that the politicians, in conjunction with the existing industry, is doing what people have done to establish... You know, guild socialism for years and years is to limit trade so that they can command higher prices. The marketplace does that. The market and the market will expand, as your caller uh, uh, Garish said. He said he would like to get rid of his car. So the market will grow with things like Uber and all the other stuff is just a distraction to keep our minds off the fact that somebody's getting a free ride. Okay, thank you, Bob. Uh, last forty-five seconds to uh, Roger Carranza. Go ahead, Roger. No, Andy, we're, again, we're happy today that the city has come down on the individuals who are breaking the law. We've said it before that we are not um, uh, against an Uber app. We have two companies in London that actually use an app themselves. Uh, Uber is an application, but it is the way they run their business, which does not follow laws put in place to protect the consumer. That's our big sticking point. That's the one we will go to the wall with to protect consumers in London, to make sure that they're protected if they have any injury or if anything happens. Ten seconds. Will these charges today stop Uber? Uh, I don't know if I can't answer that, Andy, but I know that it will put the notice, it will put notice to those who drive illegally for Uber that they can't drive illegally. Have to leave it there. CTV News straight ahead, right here on the live drive with Andy Udman on News Talk 1290. Now we have uh, Bob Matt. Hi, Bob. Hi, Andy. Um, is Roger still on the line? He there? is still on the line. So oh, go. Uh, Roger, what is the current um, legal limit of the number of cab drivers permitted in the city? Uh, you, uh, let me correct you for a second. Is I think you're probably getting to uh, to uh, uh, to licenses, or are you talking about actual drivers? Well, I guess licenses then. Licenses. Uh, there is a limit per capita. Uh, the city just uh, released uh, some licenses last year. Uh, I don't have in front of me if they have to release any more this year. But uh, I think what you're getting at, Bob, is the value of the licenses. We are not talking about that at all. We're talking about the safety of the customer. That's our number one concern and the concern that we're bringing forward. Well, it's not what I'm talking about either, Roger. I'm talking about a level playing field. And I hear all this talk about a level playing field, but what you just described is a limited playing field. And that's the issue. It's the same thing I talked to you about last time. You know, the issues of insurance are irrelevant, all the rest of it. And I do believe in a level playing uh, Bob, field, and I think what should be done. They're irrelevant in your mind, but they're not irrelevant to the industry. And you, 
you know, I know where you're coming from. I know what you're trying to say. I don't think you're as intimate as most people are uh, that belong to the industry in knowing the problems that the industry has. The issues, Bob, are the fact that the city regulates this industry for public safety concerns. I hear you. Uber, Uber, but I'm not saying... Bob, let me finish. When Uber came to London, the, the gentleman that spoke on their behalf last September said, Let's, let us start, and we will evolve as we go along. Well, what will they evolve into, Bob? They'll evolve into a taxi company because they'll know all the problems we've had to deal with, and they will go forward and get the same, uh, they'll want the same regulations. Now, here's one good one. They don't want cameras in cars. Yet, when the cameras were put in the vehicles, 90% of the violent acts in cabs against drivers or anybody else in a cab, it's dropped 90%. You're telling me now that they should not have cameras in their cars? Didn't say anything of the sort. It's up to the... The company, whether or the driver who wants it. No, no, Bob. No, Bob. It's it's about. Can I say something? Okay, Roger. Roger. Roger uh, fairness. Uh, okay, Bob. Two minutes, and then we'll let uh, okay, Roger. Everything Roger just said was a distraction, which is why I call all those arguments irrelevant. I didn't mean to say irrelevant to the concerns of the cab drivers, and I'd like to speak to their concerns. Okay, go for it. And their concerns are that they're in a constrained market. It's not a level playing field. And the only way to level it is to get the city out of the cab industry entirely. There should be no... This is nothing new to me. I've been fighting the cab industry on these very grounds 20 years before Uber was ever thought of. And I'm on the record doing it. You can check it online. I've never received a letter from you, Bob. Or neither has anybody in the industry. A letter of what? From you about your concerns. Okay, let's well, get back to the issue. My is that I'm listening to the radio. I don't, have, I don't even take Uber. And I don't take cabs either. So it's, it, my concern is I don't like... Well, quite frankly, BS. When I hear it shoved at me day in and day out, when I know that everyone's just saying it to avoid the basic issues. Okay, Bob, have your say. Bob, Bob, have your say on what you'd like to see. What should happen? I said get rid of the limit. The rest is irrelevant to any argument. Sure, everybody should be insured. Two million dollars isn't bad for... for, for, commercial insurance I'm, you know everybody puts words in my mouth when all I'm saying is would you please remove the limit would you get the government out of business they shouldn't be in there and this idea of limit and the way they did it even 20 years ago was unconscionable okay so okay well, I want to make sure that you have your say not on what other people have said and what's been said in the past in the next minute outline Bob Metz what you would like to see well you, you level the playing field by getting the city completely out of the out of the whole industry and everybody let the marketplace decide andy can i ask bob a question go ahead and be very direct uh bob you you feel that the, the taxi industry and the limousine industry do you feel that they're the same thing they offer the same service approximately about they give people a ride well not really i think they're what they want to be but I hope they're not what they have to be regulated to be, because that would be a shame, wouldn't it? Well, they're regulated the same. But you know what the big difference, Bob? They're not regulated as to how many licenses are capped. You can go right now if you want, Bob, and you can go get a limousine license in London. So you're saying the limousine yeah. ones aren't, but the, but the taxis are? Yeah. Limousine well, okay, so the limousines are. are fine, and that's fine by me. That's great. If you want to do, well, if you want to do the same thing, you can go about it that way. Now, when you're asking Uber... To obey the law, yep. are you saying that they should also be subject to the limit? Uh, Bob, we've said this. Our biggest concern, and I repeat it, and I, you know what it's going to be, because you call it a bluff on it. It's not a bluff. 
if you think we're going to compromise the safety of the individual... I knew you were going to uh, say it. You're not answering my question, are you? No, I'm answering your question. No, I said, is there still going to be a limit if Uber is led into the scene? It seems as though there isn't. We've said, Bob, level the playing field, let them do the same things that we have to do, and it's business as usual. But you know what, Bob? Some guy who's driving a Cadillac isn't going to spend the money to put in cameras and to put holes in their cars, to put licenses to put the, uh, the, uh, the, the lights they have to put in, to, put in the, uh, to, to go for criminal backgrounds, all that stuff. They've already said no to these things. They've already, Uber has said no. They settled an, uh, a, a lawsuit in California regarding the criminal background checks, saying that their criminal background checks were better than ours. Roger, I have to jump in. Uh, Bob, we've got other callers. We have to move on. But let me just ask you, do you think uh, Uber's inevitable? Well, it's already been here. It's been here for a long time, and I still don't know. Did Roger say that Uber would not be subject to a, a municipal limit on the number that would be allowed to drive in the city? I, I don't know, Bob, because they haven't come out with a report yet on that. So I can't, you're, you're But is that your objective? I mean, is that what you mean when you want them to obey the law? No, Bob, we want them to obey the safety issues that we have to obey. Okay, we have to leave it there. Bob, thank you for your call. Wow. Can you believe what you just heard? That's what can happen if you ask the right questions. And unfortunately, the establishment media almost never asks these questions, and I keep wondering why. But you will hear those questions here, because after all, you are listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. And I want to thank all of our financial supporters who've made it possible for us to continue our journey in the right direction and to encourage those of you listening to the show who enjoy it to do the same. Visit www.justrightmedia.org to offer your financial support, and while you're there, sample some of our timeless past broadcasts, all archived for your listening enjoyment and your convenience. And be sure to, to tell your friends about them, too, you know, share them with people. So what we just heard were two debates, the 1995 debate, I'll refer to it that way, that was on the previous side of the bumper, and the 1996 debate that we just heard wrapping up. I want to refer to each of those debates individually. I'll start with the first one first. Quote, I know where you're coming from as a Freedom Party advocate, end quote, he says. And no, Mr. Carancy does not know. What he means is that he rejects where I'm coming from, and he rejects Freedom Party. After all, Roger, as a liberal, and I, as a Freedom Party candidate, ran against each other in a provincial election many years ago. So uh, I imagine he knows me better than a lot of people, and he knows where I am coming from, but what that's got to do with this Uber issue, these two things just happen to be coincidental. One is not the cause of the other. So attack a messenger that represents freedom of trade and freedom to trade. That, That should, to me, say a lot. Insurance is always a distraction. And everything's really a distraction from the whole taxi limits issue. He says to protect the industry from competition, uh, and, you know, there is competition, we have two companies, we now have four, opportunity within a quota license cap. Well, why do they have a license cap? That license cap is capped for the protection of the industry to enable the industry to charge higher than market prices because, quote, there has to be a certain amount of money that you can get in order to keep your cab up to date, in order to make your cab safe. Again, these are all in place for the protection of the, says Carancy, and then he got interrupted by Andy Utman. 
just as I'm sure he was about to say the industry, which is all he talks about. Note that all that stuff about, you know, making sure they have enough money to pay these bills and that bill, these are all purely economic arguments. Capitalism solved all these issues automatically years ago. Why are we not using that system? The real reason the high prices are needed, to which Roger Carancy says, are to pay for the inefficient economic model under which the cabs operate, especially those extortion fees for those medallions which are issued to limit the amount of service that consumers can choose from. This is guild socialism. No question. You're limiting trade to command higher prices. And I'm sorry, but once you get rid of all of these restrictions, it'll be like magic. The market will grow or shrink. It doesn't matter, but I expect it's going to grow because I think there's a need there. And at the current prices, taxis just can't stay in business. That's one of the reasons they're, they're a dying breed anyway. The reason I haven't taken a taxi for, for decades is because I find them so overpriced. I always did. Anyway, <laughs> Grancy's another distraction. Well, we're not against an Uber app. Oh, of course you're not. It's not even, not even on, the, uh, on your drawing board. Then there's a 1996 debate. Again, I'm asking him about the cab driver limit, and then he deflects it. Are you talking about drivers or licenses? Of course we're talking about licenses. And to that, at least he admitted that there is a politically established limit. But he, he insists, of course, that we're not talking about the value of the licenses. No, we're not. We're talking about the limit. We're talking about safety, he says. Both distractions, both wrong, both, both away from the real issue. It's not a level playing field thereafter. It is a limited playing field, as I said in the, in the conversation. Then he accused me of saying, or, or of thinking, or I guess thinking, I don't know, that insurance is irrelevant in my mind, but not irrelevant to the industry. And he says, I know what you're trying to say. Now, there's that industry again. The industry, he said, he's not really representing. He's, in, he's in, interested in safety. <laughs> And then he accuses me of not being intimate enough with the industry to know what problems the industry has and, that the, and insists that the city regulates this industry for public safety concerns. I can't, that's just so contradictory. It's an economic argument. Again, it's an economic argument trying to protect members who are within the industry and who are paying these exorbitant fees to people like him, to people like the people in City Hall, to keep them protected, that's the protection, from people like the drivers of Uber. And then he, then he insists that Uber will evolve into a taxi comp company and will want the same regulations in the future. Now, you know what? That's possibly true, although not likely under the way, under the plan that Uber operates, that would be contrary to its, its mission, particularly when you consider in the future, they're talking about moving on to driverless cars. That's going to be an interesting period of time. Violence in cabs dropped by 90% after, ca after cameras were installed, notes currency, and then accused me of telling him that cabbies shouldn't have cameras in their cars, and why would I want that? Of course, I never said any such a thing, never did. And he was in complete denial and disruptive. You can hear how terrified he was about everything I had to say. All I wanted to do was please answer my one question. <laughs> Roger's irrelevancies are all distractions. 
get the city out of the cab industry entirely, you know. And and then I mentioned my, my past history on the cab monopoly file. And Caranti says, well, I've never received a letter from you, Bob. I couldn't believe it when he said that. I just couldn't believe it. Carancy would be the last guy on the planet I would contact on this issue. He already, but let's face it, he already knows my opinion. He's heard it for years. What, now I have to put it in writing? To what end? Where was this notice that I had to put it in writing to him? To him? Isn't he a lobbyist? How does he get into the, to, to push himself into the debate? Or is he speaking on behalf of some unnamed municipal councillor? I don't know. But he's certainly not budging on his issue, and he never will, so I don't know why I would write him about it. And I think that's the big principle being demonstrated here today. Remember, I, like I said, I don't even take Uber. I don't take cabs. My concern is with all the BS that we keep hearing shoved at us daily. You want to talk about false news? Holy moly. Then, <laughs> it's just too, I'm sitting here looking at this, and it's almost... I feel like I'm in Alice in Wonderland. He brings up another distraction and asks the question whether taxis and limousines are the same and cites the virtues of no limits on limousines. Hello, are you not hearing yourself? You not realize what that implies? (laughs) Should Uber drivers be... Like, I mean, it, it, it means that why don't you take the limits off the cabs and put them on the same footing as limousines. You're already saying that you've got an unequal playing field just between those two industries. And you're talking about, you know, level playing fields? I don't even know where to start on this. Should Uber drivers be subject to the limit? I keep insisting. And Carancy says, well, we won't compromise on the safety of the individual, which is not an answer to my question. And then when I repeated the question, he, he wouldn't answer. He replied, it seems as though there isn't, in, in terms of a limit on Uber drivers. We've said, level the playing field and let them do the same things we have to do, and it's business as usual. <laughs> Talk about a, an incredible contradiction in a single sentence. Quote, let them do the things we have to do. Are you kidding? Let them implies a voluntary action, as if someone's stopping them from doing it. (laughs) Uh, Have to is forced. Let them do what we have to? Oh, please. Let me be coerced into paying extortion fees and forced to work for a broker who operates on medieval economic principles. Yeah, let me do that. (laughs) Then I get the story about the Cadillac driver. Oh, my goodness. This is getting too funny who doesn't want to put holes in his car to accommodate a camera. <laughs> so if you spot any Cadillacs around town, they must be the Uber drivers, right? So, of course, I was forced into asking the question again, I don't know, Bob, because they haven't come out with a report yet on that. We want them to obey the safety issues that we have to obey. So you see, this is the double speak, the new speak that politicians use to confuse, um, lie to us, just want something for nothing. I, 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 I'm discre- it's disgusting what Carancy has sunk to here. I'm sorry. And then to deny that he referred to, quote, city bylaws that are in place to protect uh, the industry and, and passengers. Carancy clearly means bylaws to protect the industry from competition and to protect passengers from having too many choices. But of course, he never said. City bylaws that are in place to protect uh, the industry and, and passengers. The public safety issue is a cover, not an objective. 
ask yourself this. How does a limit on the number of taxis possibly protect passengers, quote-unquote? So you have 50 cabs available instead of 150? You feeling safer now? Huh? And as far as the cameras are concerned, let's remind ourselves again, they were originally justified to protect the drivers, not the passengers, for heaven's sakes. Has all this history been forgotten? If city cabs require cameras to, quote-unquote, protect passengers, then isn't the city also saying that the drivers are the, the, the threat to the passengers? I, I, I don't get it. Who, who's being a threat to who? It's like everybody out there is sinister and evil, and you can't trust anybody unless there's a darn camera in the, in the car. How do, have we survived this long without everybody being slaughtered? The real reason that guys like Carancy in the taxi industry want to force cameras on Uber drivers is because they know the cameras cost over a thousand bucks each. And many Uber drivers don't even drive enough during a given year to make that much money. For them, it's a cottage industry. And I think that's how it should be allowed to be. Some of them don't even make a thousand bucks, so if they pay a thousand dollars for a camera, they have to they have to drive for two years just to just to sort of break even. So if consumer safety is really their number one concern, and if cabs are so much better, why don't they advertise their points of difference? Safety concerns has become the war cry of the modern fascist dictator. From the very beginning to this very moment, it has been the war cry of Roger Carancy and the Taxi Association. It is irrational on its face. Too stupid for words if you're trying to convince me that you want your competition to meet or exceed your own levels of service. I, I just, that's just not believable, Roger. And nobody's believing you. <laughs> but it's not about service, per se, is it? It's about price fixing because that is another tool in the political treasure chest of killing capitalism, prosperity, and competition. As I understand it now, by the way, and I might be a little off base on this, but I understand that under the current bylaw, Uber is to pay the city of London $500,000 per year plus 11 cents per ride? Really? The extortion continues, and I still haven't heard anything about the limits being removed. And now to the heart of the whole matter. Why in heaven's name are we even having such a debate? Why has what should have been a competition between differing transportation services become a conflict between them? Well, it's because government insists on making the rules work in the government's interests and in political interests. The elephant in the room here in London, Ontario, and in many municipal halls around the country, and perhaps in the United States and everywhere where this is happening, is our own municipal council, which is perhaps the most poorly run council I have ever had the displeasure to witness in all my 60 years plus of living in London. This one's pathetic. London's, London's council is embarking on a, on a suicidal plan to Londoners to spend anywhere between a half a billion to a billion dollars on what was first to be a light rail system and then a bus rapid transit scheme and, and from where to where, nobody knows, because they sure don't know, and it doesn't seem to matter unless the project gets started. The proposal is insane on its face. The manner in which it is being implemented is, is born of pure corruption in politics. This is exactly why people voted for Donald Trump. The thinking and the justifications are completely backward in every respect, from the economic considerations to technological advances to the crony politics that drives it. London has a population a little under 400,000 people, and a lot of people are telling us that isn't going to change a lot soon. If anything, it may drop for a while. 
And quite frankly, under most times and circumstances in this city, you can get from one end of the city to the other easily in a 20 to 30 minute period. So if Londoners think they have an issue with the Uber situation, just wait until all Londoners, particularly those who never use public transit, will be forced to pay thousands upon thousands of unnecessary dollars to finance an unnecessary and destructive to the city rapid transit system. You think your electric bills or something, just wait till you see this scheme. Scheme indeed. All right, Coney Island. Okay, you can take the B or the F and switch for the N at Broadway Lafayette. Or you can go over the bridge to Decal and catch the Q to Atlantic Avenue and then switch to the IRT. Two, three, four, or five. But don't get on the G. See, that's very tempting, but you wind up on Smith and 9th Street, then you gotta get on the R. Couldn't you just take the D straight to Coney Island? Well, yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll meet somebody. Maybe not. Oh, man. We're stopping? Oh, this is great. This is what I need. Just what I need. Okay, take it easy. I'm sure it's nothing. Probably rats on the track. They're stopping for rats. Oh, God, it's so crowded. How could there be so many people? This guy really smells. Doesn't anyone use deodorant in the city? What is so hard? You take the cap off, you roll it on. What's that? I feel something rubbing against me. These disgusting animals. These people should be in a cage. We are in a cage. What if I miss the wedding? I got the ring. What do they do? You can't get married without a ring. I can't breathe. I feel faint. Okay, take it easy. It'll start moving soon. Think about people in concentration camps, what they went through. And the hostages. What would you do if you were a hostage? Think about that. This is nothing. No, it's not nothing. It's something. It's a nightmare. Help me. Move it. Come on, move this thing. Why isn't it moving? What could go wrong with a train? It's on tracks. There's no traffic. How could a train get stuck? Step on the gas. What could it be? You think the conductor would explain it to us? I'm sorry, there's a delay. We'll be moving in five minutes. I want to hear a voice. What's that on my leg? Back in the 1970s, when I used to attend Fanshawe College way at the east end of the city of, of London on Oxford Street East, I lived in White Oaks, a suburb of the city, and the Oxford Street East bus literally stopped outside the door of my home near Jalna and Meg Drive, which was called the Terminal Point like the one end of, of the bus's route, the other end point being Fanshawe College itself. So given my location and destination, for me the circumstances were ideal to leave my car at home because the bus was always empty or relatively empty at each end of its route. Getting a seat was never a problem. I got off the bus right at the front door of the college and could be in class within minutes. No parking, no hassle, no driving issues. And, of course, when I worked in Toronto temporarily for several months during a period in the 1980s, I exclusively used the subway and left my car back at home in London. So I've got no objection to public transit in any way, shape, or form. Now, here in London, I, I was just talking before the break about how pitiful our current city council is. 
And they are pursuing now this incredible rapid transit system, a route that does not seem to matter so long as they can build it. This city has had a horrible record on being opposed to the individual and the individual driving and automobiles particularly. I mean, in this city, you go downtown, you've got no or limited street parking. Uh, the municipal planning just sucks. Our streets have traffic calming curbs that just jut out into the middle of nowhere. This is a city that hates cars, I'm telling you, and is willing to go broke on efforts to keep you from using your car. Chip Martin, just this past February 18th, <laughs> wrote, a head, wrote an article in the Free Press with the heading, Transit Rapidly Becomes a Headache. No kidding. And he points out how, of late, uh, the detail, or the devil's in the details, of course. Bob Usher, general management of Covent Garden Market, says a proposed transit lane on King Street and along the market Bud and Budweiser Gardens will cause irreparable damage. Then there's the tunnel, he goes, yes, a tunnel. It would take Richmond Street under the CP rail tracks, bypassing and creating construction headaches for many businesses between Central Ave and Oxford Street. And businessmen in the area note that construction a decade ago in the same area killed the businesses. And also some of the business people said they had intended an earlier open house on the transit plan. And quote, we were just told what was happening <laughs> in the story. So much for your public input. Farther north, he writes, Richmond, would require, Richmond Street would require widening to shoehorn dedicated bus lanes onto the artery, I don't even know what that means, at the expense of trees and heritage properties. To the south, Wellington Road would lose trees, parks, and street parking. Painful is the word Squire used to describe implementing the plan along narrow corridors that include Dundas Street, are you kidding? Prompting a move to Queens and King Streets. London will soon reach its peak population and begin to shrink if current demographic trends don't change, he says, and he cites of all things uh, numbers that come from the doctoral thesis of Deb Matthews, which earned her a PhD in social demography from Western University. She's a liberal MPP for London North Central. And he writes, those projections are sobering in a city about to embark on the biggest capital project in its history, to which provincial and federal governments are expected to contribute. As Matthews says, nobody wants to build a white elephant, end quote. And that was from Chip Martin's article. Well, hello, if you think this isn't going to be a white elephant, uh, this is going to be so bright, you'll see it from the other side of the moon. That's how bright this white elephant's going to be. Now, if you look elsewhere around the world, I, I looked at California, places like that where they always have transportation problems. Guess what they're doing? They're privatizing. There are actually bus companies going into competition, and they are working with the existing public transit system as it is, and it's a slow evolution because, obviously, it's unsustainable to keep it going on these government-funded plans that are run by absolutely bankrupt governments. The future trend for public transportation, if left to the consumers and users of that transportation, would be almost the exact opposite of where our current crop of municipal politicians is taking us. Taking the right direction on this issue will forever be impossible in the political realm as long as cronyism and monopoly are the principles upon which they force us in the wrong direction. But lucky for you, you can always tune in each week to this show to at least envisage what it might be like to take those tiny steps in the right direction. So join us again next week when we will continue our journey rightward. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right. And be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into-
to color and color it to black and white under the bedclothes everything will be alright why couldn't I take a cab? for six dollars my whole life could have changed <laughs> what is that on my leg? I'll never get out of here what if I'm here for the rest of my life? <laughs> maybe I'll get out in five seconds one banana, two banana, three banana, four banana, five banana. No, I'm still here. Still here. When will they start moving?